This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, December 11th, 2020, and it's the Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And before I introduce the cast, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Apartment Life. You've got to check out what our friends at Apartment Life are doing. They believe every individual is created for a community. So they're building that community among apartment neighbors. They're looking for folks who love Jesus, get excited about hospitality, and really take the opportunity to be with people when life gets tough. And get this, they equip you, they walk alongside you and provide you with either a reduced rent apartment or a part-time salary. Visit apartmentlife.org slash relevant to join them today. You don't want to miss this life-changing opportunity to really show the love of Christ to neighbors, especially these days. Again, that's apartmentlife.org slash relevant. Well, like I said, I'm your host, Cameron, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author and podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, mogul, producer, Derek Miner. What up, dog? Jamie, you are flooding my Instagram feed with Christmas gift videos. <laughs> it's, it's over, guys. 12 days is done. It's it was too it was too many gifts, too many options. You've got you just overwhelm me with wonderful Christmas ideas. I just no so. one has an excuse of what not to get because I gave you twelve great companies to buy from. So uh, go get so, your gifts, guys. So so, so Jamie, I uh, you, you know doing this analysis of cool companies for cool gifts. If you had to <laughs> just give us give us a shorthand, give us the last verses of the twelve days of Christmas song. What are like just oh. throw it out there for people who haven't seen. It. What are the, what are top three? What are the hot gifts this year? Oh, you want me to sing the song or give you gifts? Just give me the three gifts. <laughs> okay, well, one of my favorite gifts was from a company called Trove. They gifted me out, full disclosure, a pair of pajamas. I'm telling you, if you have a woman in your life, these are the best pajamas I've ever put on my body my entire life. So there's that. Okay. What if you oh, don't you, have a woman in your life? That, you could get them for yourself, Cameron. <laughs> I mean, if they feel good to me, hey, I bet I they feel good to I you. Don't, why are you assuming Whiskey. I don't have a woman in my life? Yeah. Like, hey, that this wasn't an assumption. An I apologize turn. to that. <laughs> All right, so, so Trove, Trove PJs. Trove PJs. Comfy PJs. What else you got for us? I got um, a beautiful candle from Haven Co. Everyone loves candles from Haven Co. And then I love personalization stuff. And so one of the other companies with us was called May Designs, and they do personalized stuff. Guys, listen, we just did a lot of stuff and I gave you a lot of Christmas ideas and I, I I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but I have every single one of my kids' Christmas gifts bought already by December 1st. Nice. Wow. wow. That, I, it, you know, re- I, Relevant did a, a, did a Christmas shopping guide as well. We had I five categories. I look at all of them. I love that. Like, did, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun putting that together, but are you guys like, okay, so your Christmas shop done. Yeah. Are you guys doing no, festive no, no. stuff my, this my, my thing is, I like the candle thing because I used to make one mall trip and <laughs> one trip to Yankee Candle because Yankee I would just buy candle. a bunch of Yankee candles with no one in particular in mind. <laughs> you know, it's like, just give me a bunch of these. Remember the house warmers, those yeah. big giant ones, you know, mm-hmm. I would just buy a bunch of those. They're so shockingly expensive. And my bill would be like $130. <laughs> but it's like, oh, I forgot to give this aunt or, or yeah. like a neighbor something. Good thing I bought all these candles. Worst like case someone scenario. someone shows up to your house and you didn't know they were coming. Can- 
candle. Candle, exactly. That, that, Worst that case scenario. You can buy me a candle any day. I love candles. I love when candles. We, when we would go over to my parents' house for Christmas, you know, you never knew what extended family would be there. So I'd do the same thing. I'd go to like Costco or get a bunch of gift cards to like Starbucks yeah. and put them in the trunk and just like, <laughs> oh yeah, Aunt, Aunt Faith, here I you go. I didn't forget you. Know. you? Yeah. yeah. Starbucks yeah. gift cards. <laughs> Starbucks gift cards and candles just say, I put zero thought into this. <laughs> like this, this was, this was just kind of, I took, you know, kind of a mulligan this year and just went up to Starbucks. I was like, give me five $25 gift cards, hit up Yankee Candle. And I just taped them together. I just wrapped them together. And I don't even know who these are for. I'm just going to, I'm not even going to worry about anything else. It's just, oh, I got a white elephant exchange. Here we go. Starbucks card Starbucks. candle. Yeah, I already yeah. told y'all what I'm doing. Straight cash. Cash. If I, if, just look, here go a 20. <laughs> I do buy gift cards like Starbucks, Sonic, all those places and put them in my kid's stocking. Here's the thing. I'm going to spend that money on them anyways, but now they think it's cool because they have a gift card that they put in their little wallet and they carry it around. Y'all, I don't like, I hate gift cards. Why? Just honestly. Because it limits where I can spend the money. Like, just give me like a, a... if you give me a Visa card, maybe, you know what I mean? Like, that might be cool. But I'm like, what if you give me a gift card to someplace that I hate? Like, Nobody you know hates I mean? Starbucks, though. They're like stuck. I, I don't. Well, look, yeah. I'm not trying to mess up no uh, no sponsorship money, so we're gonna talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, no, but, but Derek, I feel you. <laughs> you hey, feel look, me I feel you. It's like, hey, man. Great. Now I got to go to Macaroni Grill. I'm never going to go to Macaroni Grill. It's not a cool place to go. Okay. What am I supposed to do is $20. That's specifically for, it can only be spent at Macaroni Grill. And I, you're already getting out of Macaroni Grill for $20. So no, he's obligated no. over. And, and Macaroni Grill is not a place you Uber Eats. You know, you're just going to get a big wet, soupy, plastic. Thing. You, you, know, you know, you order Uber Eats from Macaroni Grill. The bag's going to come back all wet. And that's the worst. Like, all, all that, you know, Italian dress. Just sloshing around in there. Oh, you got a big, yeah. wet, nasty, cold bag. And now, so now I have to go to Macaroni Grill. So but is this thank the place you, where they write your name this. upside down? I mean, that's what they do. That's a, that, that's an adventure. That trick gets impress- it gets less impressive every time I go, just Jamie. Run me the cash. I just want the cash. I just want the money, man. You know what I'm saying? Derek, you're doing a lot of stuff. This is a weird Christmas month. I'm not right? doing I mean, because I'm not like, doing nothing. Yeah, you know, normally with family, kids, so things, weird. You go do little activities and outings and stuff. And it's like every, more and more of the country is more and more locked down, you know, and it's, I mean, California just shut down all like tourism and stuff. You know, I'm like, not feeling festive at all. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I feel very frustrated right now. I don't know why. But, you know, I first off, I'm not really a, a, a light hanger guy that hangs lights outside the house. But, man, all I did was... I took one of those little slideshow things that project onto your house. Oh, yeah. We have one. Plop that joint outside, put some lights on a banister uh, on the stairs, and we called it a day. Yep. And look, they may be, my kids are lucky if I even wrap the gift. The only way the gift's gonna get wrapped is if my wife do it. And and she's such a soldier. I love her. But, you know, that's what it is. Is your typical style you're just ninja starring macaroni grill gift cards to the kids? Here you go, here you go, here you go. Don't worry, nah. it's $20. They get free bread, okay? They got free nah. bread. Just get something from the lunch menu. You know? nah, I'm, like, ba- I'm like, babe, here's here's the money, and you just buy gifts to your heart's content so, so, with whatever. 
That's so, what it is. So, Derek, your 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 non kind of festive, you know, disposition this year. Does it is it kind of is it because of you know sort of the limitations that we have to spend time together because of pandemic stuff? Is it because of the general level of kind of discourse about politics and social issues? Is it just hey man, just ready for twenty twenty to be over? What what is at the core of of kind of not feeling in the Christmas spirit this year? I don't know. You know, I, I didn't plan on sitting on the couch today, but I'll uh, Let's hop break on. it down. Come on. I, but I don't know. I think it's just I, you know, like this time is supposed to be with family and all of that. I'm like, you know, a lot of times, it's, you know, my mom comes down all the way from Ohio and and and, you know, now I'm like, should she come? Should she not come? You still got your boy Trump talking about I still won the election. And there's like all. And then I'm thinking about even just after Christmas, the. uh the benefits for people's homes and things are expiring. So it's like, yep. we got all of yeah. these crazy things that's happening. It just doesn't really feel festive. Like I remember this season, you know, feels always like, Oh man, everybody's having fun and we're cracking jokes. I'm just like, man, this feels, I don't know. I'm just not in, I'm not in the mood, but I feel like know. the economic uncertainty is yeah. kind of in the air, you know, like there's a For weight sure. on that. But then I also have neighbors that maybe they're just like stir crazy and it's cabin fever or something, but they seem to be like doing way more for Christmas this year, you know, like just like to their house and decorating and stuff like that. That's just like, okay, you guys are going a little overcompensating, you know? Yeah. I don't know. So it's almost like you see the two extremes happening, you know, it's like, this has been a hard year, so we're just going to cut loose and celebrate the season. And then you have the people who, you know, the uncertainty and stuff is weighing on everything, you know, yeah, for sure. Derek, I think you feel like this is the end of 20, like December's the last month. So here we are at the end and it's been, you know, quite possibly the hardest year for most people. For and sure. so it's the very end of the year and we're like, okay, one more month and we're just tired. And that's, yeah. that's hard. That, you know, that's like, what it is. Tired. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, exactly what it is. But you also have people who have like senioritis. And it's just like, because the end is here. Yeah. I'm just like, not going to do just anything. Gonna like, yeah. We're just going to have fun. And like, you know, it's like, it's the other extreme, you know? Yeah. I mean, I honestly feel like I caused all of the, the pandemonium in 2020. Cause at the end of 2019, I was like, man, I just can't wait for 2020, man. 2019 is trash. <laughs> and so this year I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm look, I'm just going to take it one day at a time. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm not have any optimism for 2021. I'm indifferent because I, <laughs> if it gets worse than this, I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know all right, Darren. I mean? Well, let me ask you this. You don't like, it, understandably, you're, you're like a lot of people around the world. I would say in America, all around the world right now. It's been, it's been tough, weird year. So you, your Christmas spirit isn't there, but is anyone else circled? And even if it's just symbolic, look, we, we know nothing magical happens at the strike of midnight on December 31st, but symbolically, in our hearts that is a very important night for humanity are you at least i'm in the new i yeah i agree it's hard to get into the christmas thing i am in the new year spirit this year like mm-hmm. i am like dude just symbolically i know i'm gonna wake up tomorrow and we got all the same stuff we got to deal with on new year's day but man it's gonna feel good to see that calendar say 2021 listen i agree i'm ready it's for not, 2021 for me it's not 2021 it's when things open up and they say hey you guys can Feel free, you know, whatever protocols are in place, you can, 
You can go hang out. You can go kick it, have fun. I'm telling y'all, I'm going to go on a kick it tour. I'm going to go talk to <laughs> kick it tour. all I the homies. It. I'm kicking it with everybody. I'm going to drink as many milkshakes as possible. Hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Were we talking about drinking milkshakes? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm talking about public milkshakes. We're going to be publicly... You're going to see it. Just, just, just know if you see me on your street, you know, with a milkshake. <laughs> there's no Derek has had enough. Derek, I love Derek. this kick it milkshake tour you got going on. Kick it milkshake I tour. I want to come on one of the tour stops. Let's do yeah. it. Hey, I'm coming to see all y'all. Just, <laughs> I'm going to pop up on your doorstep. Like, what's up? Derek's like, milkshakes waiting. Derek's like, 2021 is going to be the best. We'll have vaccines. We'll overturn uh, open container laws in various states. It will be the year. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if it's 2021 if it's 2022 I just know something's gonna have to shake and when it shake I'm gonna shake with it that's all I'm saying you feel me alright well we have a great show in store for you today coming up we talk to Kel Mitchell uh, he you know you know him you've known him your whole life you grew up with Keenan and Kel him, yeah. uh, Kel Mitchell he's doing a lot he's still on TV he's doing a ton and he has a new show uh, debuting on MTV on Monday so we talked to him about that and also he's now spoken Christian and uh I don't know if you follow him on Instagram and stuff, but man, he's one of the he's one of the good ones. So, yeah. oh uh, yeah, that, he's a good man. That's coming up. Also, we have our weekly wellness segment with emergency medicine resident physician Dr. Chris Zaleski. You don't want to miss that. Some interesting stuff, especially about COVID. And moving the show along. Stay tuned. Up next, it's relevant news. listening to coin the song is i feel alive question mark well today's show is also brought to you by uhsm these days finding affordable quality health care is more difficult than ever so if you're looking to save up to 50 percent on your health care expenses listen up you don't have to wait around hoping health care will improve in the u.s instead join millions of christians who are choosing health share memberships like uhsm UHSM is a nonprofit Christian health share with the sole mission of helping you achieve your best health. Protect your health with modern health sharing from UHSM, including programs with prescription benefits from CVS Caremark, no-cost telehealth visits, and access to 1 million doctors and providers. Satisfy your medical needs and save up to 50% with UHSM Health Share. Uh, UHSM is member-to-member health sharing, and it's awesome. See why millions are choosing this Christian alternative to traditional insurance Ask if you qualify for UHSM membership today by calling or texting 833-367-8476. That's 833-367-UHSM. Or visit them at uhsm.com slash care. Specifically, that's uhsm.com slash care. All right, it's time for... Please welcome to the show, Relevant Senior Editor Tyler Huckabee, telling us what's happening this week at the intersection of faith and culture. Hey, Tyler. Hey everybody. Can, can I can I ask a quick question, Cameron, before we jump into relevant news for Tyler? Uh, yes, please. Because Tyler, I think twenty 
20 was the year you really stepped up your sweater game. Like you were rocking. <laughs> you were the first person to rock that knives out sweater. That was the first time I saw that sweater in the wild. The one the that, wild, you know, cable that, yeah. Chris Evans. Yeah. Sort of mm-hmm. made famous in that movie. You know, you, you were the first person. I saw that sweater in the wild. Now you appear to be wearing, um, and I'm going to describe it to listeners. It's, it seems to be a combination of that like sweater that like Kurt Cobain wore in yeah. that Nirvana MTV Unplugged. Yeah. And, but it could also be, and Tyler, I hope, I, I, again, I'm looking, I have an idea of what I'm, it I'm could be I'm looking at too. this through a Zoom screen. So please don't take this the wrong way because I'm sure in person. I'm not entirely sure you're not wearing a bathrobe right now. Like, just an <laughs> yeah. open bathrobe with a with a t-shirt underneath. Well, did you notice, too, that yeah. the bottom half turns into, like, uh, American Southwest tapestry? Like Aztec, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And, then, and the top yeah. looks like Text-mix. a bathrobe. It's, it's, it's either Mr. Rogers sweater or it's my Aunt Judas sweater. So I don't know which one, but it's fine. I also enough. think, I also think Kevin Costner would wear that in Yellowstone, so I'll give you that. I, I think if like Mr. Rogers was in No Country for Old Men, this is what he would wear. Like if he was a character in No Country for Old Men, that would be the sweater that he's yeah. wearing. It's very yeah. impressive. It's not a full bathrobe, but but with the zoom, it does look like one. And I was thinking that because peek behind the scene curtains, I I did the the Kel Mitchell interview today over Zoom, and I was like. He, this man thinks that I'm just talking to him in my bathrobe right now. This is, this is my, my, I've known this guy my entire life. I'm looking for this conversation. I'm, I'm a, I was a huge Good Burger fan and I show up meeting him. Like, this is a bad dream. This is what if, you had rollers, if you had rollers in your hair, you would look like the grandmother in the uh, intro sequence on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like, the, you know, you can move on with your auntie and uncle in Bel-Air. The other thing, Tyler, if you lean in close enough and I don't see the arms, it looks like you have like a, possibly a towel draped over your shoulder like you're a rich guy in a movie who like you know just someone comes swimming. to a business meeting and for some reason the rich guy doesn't even have time to get out of his sauna clothes and just throws a towel over his shoulders uh-huh. like come walk with me walk with me let's talk and he's got the towel over his shoulders you got a lot of vibes happening right now depending on the angle Dude, Tyler dress for the job you want man <laughs> be rich sauna guy yeah. did you ask hey, about Kel give us a little sneak peek did you ask yeah, yeah. him to do any did good say good burger did you ask him? I, I, I did i did not ask him to do that because they good. came because we got to the final question we got the final question and i wasn't ready they they said all right we have time for one more question and i needed to get i need to get i need to do actual journalism and not get the my new uh iphone my my uh, my iPhone away message. He also did preface uh, during that last question. If this is about me saying "Welcome to Good Burger," man, I will punch you through the Zoom screen. Uh, I'll, rip ta- I'll rip that towel off your shoulders and snap you with to. it. Jesse, you once again, it, Cameron, we talked know, about doing we it, and I was I was because of Jesse. Jesse said, "Like you have all these iconic interviews, you need yeah. to ask them to do mm-hmm. things." And so when we planned out the Kel Mitchell one, it was like, mm-hmm. "Well, we got to get him to say some of his famous lines." Yeah. Yeah, but I'll tell you this: it was a good. He, he's a, he's a really nice guy. You're, you guys are in for a treat. It was a very it was a it was a solid. He's very friendly. He's very he's a very winsome personality. Oh yeah, excited yeah. to hear it. Yeah. So he's not like an Ellen who is happy on screen and then horrible in real life. Or is I bring true? up the best in people. I don't know. She it, was it could sued. Be not sued. No, but like, it was not a huge, Ellen. She's she's a she's like a known this year. rude. Yeah, a known rude person. I did yeah. see this. Ellen, yeah. generous. Yeah. 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 yeah, dude. Yeah. All the all these former workers like said all this stuff, and it was, yeah, man. This she had year to make was a whole rough. apology. Her first show yeah. back, she had to address it. 
Yeah. But even then, even the other day, she like put Biebs on the spot in a very uncomfortable way. And shout out to shout out to the to 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 Bieber, who's really matured over the years and handled it with with some real poise. Oh, I she was just making him uncomfortable. I missed it too. About. She was making him uncomfortable about yeah, you know putting pressure. Out. She was basically putting pressure, and this is what she does: is like makes people talk about things that like a, a person with a normal degree of self awareness would probably be like, okay, there's probably reasons why that person. Isn't just like she was basically talking to him about why, uh, you know, him and his wife don't have children yet. And, you know, what are they waiting? It was just very uncomfortable. And it's like, like I said, for 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 interviewers or just humans with a degree of self-awareness, I think there's a lot of reasons why you don't publicly just say, yeah. Yeah, even privately, that can be uncomfortable like what, for people. What if they yeah, were dealing with infertility? What if they yeah. were like, yeah. like, like there's holy a cow. Total number. It, well, it, it's the same thing that happened with Dakota Fanning that, that is, I mm-hmm. think it was the anniversary. Tyler, you, you're probably pretty the familiar famous, with that. The, yeah. the famous interaction, yeah. Yeah, where, where she basically made, she, on the spot, basically, and, and I may be butchering some of the details, but I think it was something like, Telling her on the air, why didn't you invite me to your birthday party? And it was, you know, intentionally <laughs> was making very uncomfortable. Because, very yeah. uncomfortable. And it, it's like, I, I don't know if she's rude or just has a profound of like the years of a stratosphere of fame that almost no one can relate to has right. just made her lose all sense of like social decorum and self-awareness that she doesn't even know she's being rude. But a normal person's like, uh, let's move on. Uh, tell us about holy. That new chance song, man. Um, yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's a lot. Tyler, I, can you start weaving some of that into your interviews for relevant? Like, just yeah, just really deep. Why haven't you kids? Yeah. Why yeah. didn't you invite me to be your, your birthday party? Stuff yeah. like that. I, think, I feel like I have the exact opposite problem where I feel like I'm way too connected with things that celebrities no longer care about. Like, I'm just like, so what do you, how do you feel about? Did you get Queen's Gambit? That was a pretty good show, right? And they're like, I'm we're. We, we fly around the world. We, we're on private jets. We don't even know there's a pandemic happening anymore. <laughs> I forget that we lead very different lives. And I'm just trying to jaw with them a little bit and, you know, just chop it up like normal. I, I need to, I need a little more. I need, a, I need to be in the middle. I need a little more Ellen, a little less me. Do you know my, my go-to icebreaker? This is, this is just literally, I say this every time I'm talking to someone, I always say, oh, hey, w- real quick, where are you at right now? Like physically, and mm-hmm. and I and I just try to find some point of relation. Oh, I've been there, beautiful part of the country. Oh, what's that? You know, th- it gets awkward when you're like, "Hey, where are you at right now?" And they're like, "Well, honestly, kind of emotionally, I'm kind of all over the place." <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, then, you're, then you're just like, "Sweet, okay, I'm getting I'm getting gold here. I am getting gold." That's, you know? that's the Derek Minor interview. Yeah. 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 Out of the yeah. gates, out of the gates. Um, where, where are you at right now? Oh, you know, I'm really glad you asked me that. Let's hunker down here because I got some complex issues I'd like to work out. All right, so what do you got, Tyler? All right, so we got a few stories today. We're going to start off with this um, this kind of this kind of like good news, bad news report uh, that came out from an organization called the ECFA about how megachurches in the U.S. are slowly but surely getting more diverse uh, and have been getting more diverse for a while. So first of all, we need to talk about terms here. Uh, according to them, according to their standard of what a this is this is their standard of what a multiracial church is, and that is a church in which at least 20% of the congregation identifies as a racial minority. All right, 20%. Now, in 2000, when they first started doing this study, just 21% of churches in the U.S. Uh, qualified as wow. multiracial. So that was that was 2000, not that long ago. Today, 58% 
a pretty significant jump in 20 years. 58% of churches qualify as being multiracial. Now, why that is, I think is way more interesting. I think it's really instructive about where we're at right now. For a long time, what they found is that these mega churches would say they were interested in having non-white people come to church, but they weren't willing to do anything about it, right? It's just kind of like, maybe if we feel hard enough, then they'll start showing up or if yeah, we put it in our mission statement, you know, yeah, like yeah. one of our, oh, diversity is one of our core values and it's written down in the bylines and that's the end you, that's the end you bylaws and that's the end you hear of it. What right. a few of them have started to realize, and this is according to a guy named Warren Bird, who's their VP of research. He said, it's not enough to state it as a core value. It's not enough to agree that it's important. Churches have to be intentional. They take intentional steps to become multiracial, such as the people in leadership on Sunday mornings. Do they represent the diversity of the neighborhood they're seeking to reach? The staff that is hired in church and on the board in the church, are they likewise appropriately diverse? When you have intentionality like that, the non-majority races tend to grow into becoming a multi-ethnic church. And this is what a lot of churches aren't willing to do because it means sometimes letting go of people in leadership or making sure mm. making it bigger in ways it's going to take money it's going to take time it's going to take effort and it's going to take mixing up what your sunday morning program looks like and that is the sort of the line that a lot of churches that aren't yet multiracial aren't willing to cross mm. what did you say was the bad news tyler so the bad news, well, there's two, sort of two parts of the bad news. Uh, one is that 58% still not super impressive on the, considering the scale of, of how far we need yeah, to go. And only yeah. 20% qualify. Yeah, and 20% is, is exactly the highest bar to clear, right? That's yeah. that's not that many. Two, 20 out of 100 I'd, I'd be, in, in I'm curious to know, has there been any shift in uh, like the staff composition like mm-hmm. the, the people on stage these mega churches have they shifted at all I, i'd be curious if there's a correlation there because i've always felt like the churches that say we want to be diverse but then you have an entire worship team and pastoral staff that's white i mean you you need to make sure that the people on stage represent what you want to see in the audience right like right right i i feel like that's the tangible connection point. And so I'm curious to see if these churches that have evolved in this area have and made their they, staffs more diverse. You know? They said that they did. They said that was a correlation here, but I couldn't find actual numbers okay. on that for this. So it was kind of a, I, I don't know if that was aspirational or not. The I other would part guess of this, that would have to be a key component. I would though. have to think so. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. said, they certainly said that it was, that that was the common thread they found. I just didn't find actual data on it. Now, another part of this that came up that switches angles a little bit is more mega churches are starting to get interested in being ready to reach out to and be prepared for people with special needs, which is another sort of growing area that mega churches are starting to get a little more interested in. And according to the study need to get a lot more interested in. And I think this is a place that mega churches could actually be a little bit ahead of the curve of culture instead of constantly playing catch up about 30 years behind the rest of culture. Uh, what this study found is that uh, 53% of megachurches offer programs for people with special needs. 53%, about half. That's not enough. Now, 100% do have to have like wheelchair access because that's a requirement, but only 15% offer large print worship materials so people have a hard time seeing. A little under half offer sign language interpretation for people who have a hard time hearing. I think it'd be really cool, and I'm not super optimistic about this, just given 
everything, but it'd be cool to see churches sort of take a leadership stance here instead of getting roasted for not being ahead of the curve on this, like what tends to happen, you know, 10, 20 years down the road. Yeah. Our, there's actually a big um, deaf community here in Austin. Mm-hmm. And um, at one of our campuses, the entire thing, there's um, someone doing um sign language and then we have it on all of our live streams and so like i've seen that evolve at our church over the last couple of years like and here's a need here's what we have um and i think it's great i mean i personally have a friend also who has a kid with uh who has autism and it's really hard for them to go to church because there's just not anything that would be a you know a help for them as a family to go to church with different circumstances and so I think that the mega churches should be on the front line too because they have the money you know like they have the money and the resources mm-hmm. to be able to do something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, this would not be a huge stretch for a lot of these churches to pour those kinds of resources because you're not asking for the world in a lot right. of these cases. You know, yeah, it's not right. that huge of a bar to clear. But again, it takes intentionality. It takes effort. It takes time. And those are things that a lot of stat- staffs that are already stretched, even in mega churches, don't always feel like they have the room to do. So how did they define what a mega church is? Is it over a thousand members? Uh, it is, according to this, it was over twelve hundred for the twelve hundred. And mm-hmm. how many churches did they look at? Uh, that's a good question, actually. I don't know. And, and can, did they have any denominational breakdown? I mean, this was, most this mega was, churches are non-denom, but... This was all Protestant. Well, yeah, but that's not denominational. I was just curious well, if it was more... I'm just saying it was like, there was no... They didn't break it down by like evangelical or, or mainline Protestant or anything like that. Yeah, or charismatic or whatever. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What else you got? Um, so you might think that the that the Twitter look back at 2020 would be pretty bleak and it's not like an encouraging read, but I did think it was kind of interesting to go over uh, what the year in Twitter looked like. They did a uh, they, they did like a, a retrospective, which actually a lot of organizations usually like YouTube will do their YouTube rewind where they look at the year that we had. YouTube's not even going to bother with that this year. They just Figure better put that behind us and move on to 2021. (laughs) We're not even going to have like Jake Paul boxing this year. Like just, just wipe this all from our memory. Pretend it never happened. But Twitter, Twitter actually of all places went for it. Um, So there were, and there were some interesting things that came up Uh, as you probably could expect. The most tweeted about people were president Donald Trump, president elect Joe Biden. Uh, The most common hashtag was COVID-19, but things do get a little more interesting after that. The third most tweeted about person of 2020 was uh, was George Floyd, uh, mm. who never had a Twitter account uh, while he was alive, but was the third most tweeted about. And this isn't just the U.S. This was also globally as well. Um, the second most tweeted about hashtag after COVID-19 was Black Lives Matter. Uh, the fourth most tweeted about person was Kobe Bryant, who I actually that feels like 100 years ago. But Kobe God. Bryant, obviously, yeah. was uh, continued and uh and the second uh, most liked tweet of 2020 was President Obama's Twitter tribute to Kobe, which came out at the end of January. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most liked tweet of 2020. Any guesses? Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, it was Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. the last. Uh, it was. The, it was. That, that's actually the most liked tweet of all time. Wow. Uh, yeah. In 24 hours, yeah. it had set the record for the most liked tweet of all time. Was the we from the Chadwick Boseman's account announcing that he had passed away. Wakanda uh, forever, baby. Mm-hmm. Man. Uh, so it's not like, like I said, this, are, this isn't exactly cheerful, but it is sort of, sort of stirring to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of big things happen when we lost some really good people this year. And I think that's yeah. what something that I kind of forgotten about is, uh, is how many 
not just just kind of like general gloom and doom there'd been, but also some some like real tragedy that stirred a lot of real feelings. And, yeah. and that was kind of hard to see. What month um, did Kobe Bryant pass away? January. January. No. No lie. Isn't that God, crazy? That it feels, like, feel it like, feels a, like a lifetime ago. Feels like a it? lifetime ago. I remember I was in LA shooting a music video and oh. and right before we left, everybody like I was in LA when it happened. That might have wow. been one of the I've never seen a place collectively mourn anyone the way LA collectively mourn Kobe. Wow. Like no matter where I went, besides, and I also was there uh for Nipsey's uh funeral. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. And I, was- I've never I've never seen a city collectively mourn people like LA have had to, has had to mourn Nip and uh and Kobe. It was, it's crazy. It's, it was a was that it in was January a too? experience. Uh no Nip passed away last year. Last fall. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. It, I, I forgot when it I forgot when it was, but yeah, it was last year. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was it's crazy. crazy. It was crazy, and then it, fe- it felt like when Kobe passed, everything just went to to mm. trash. Mm. <laughs> yeah, man, that really you know, was that really was the beginning of a very hard uh-huh. year. That <laughs> yeah. was it. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was it. That set it off. It mm. set set the tone. And also um, a little update for the listener. Uh, while we were talking just then, Tyler had to step up to shut the door and we got to see the rest of his sweater. <laughs> it looks like he's wrapped himself in an Aztec blanket. That's, yeah. that's yeah. what we just My saw roots. the bottom half. In the Southwest. And the Southwest. Southwest. It's very, dedicated, yeah, it's very dedicated to the Southwest. Yeah. I've been there numbers of times. <laughs> I love the, love the landscape, uh, the wildlife. I mean, what's Desert. not to love? You know, I want to sconce my body and its memory. And it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Around me, the world could be collapsing in, yeah. but up here between the ears, yeah. I'm always in Southern Utah. Just, just, hanging. <laughs> just, just taking it in, man. Just, you know, he looks like he has a, a pack that, you know, he's just, yeah, he's yeah, just that, a I mean, hardened, hardened explorer traveler yeah. and his, and his sweater doubles as a blanket that he lays on. If Tyler was a character in a movie <laughs> and I didn't know him and he just yeah. sauntered in and yeah. someone's like, ah, oh, tumbleweeds here. Ah, oh, hey, tumbleweeds. <laughs> I'd be like, that guy right now with what he's wearing could passably go for a guy who just goes Why by Why are tum- we flambeing my boy <laughs> He could be someone that casually goes by tumbleweed. You know what I mean? Like, what's up, tumbleweed? tumbleweed yeah, I'm Tyler. I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying you have that rustic vibe about you that yeah. looked like you would have like a very kind He's of hardened. salt of the earth yeah. uh, nickname that your community there in Sonoma knows you by. Smokes Marlboro Reds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, going to like 1800s like a saloon. No, no, like no, Tyler, Tyler, Tyler is one like, flip, flip, flip. Tyler's one turquoise necklace away from working at a new age bookstore in Sonoma. <laughs> like he's trying to get he's he's one turquoise necklace away from being trying to get you into crystals. He's got some crystals in his pocket. Like, oh, like Pratt Daddy, the Spencer Pratt, whatever his like new crystal Tyler, business is. I want you to remember that I referred to you as Kevin Coster from Yellowstone. So you put on a cowboy hat and you look like you just are strolling around your ranch and my Montana. So, okay. so far, Tyler, I'm not taking any of these as burns. I'm not taking no, any of these Kevin as Kevin Costner, that's not a burn. Yeah. No, no that's that doesn't not a sound burn. like one to me. 
Yeah, okay, Kevin. So Tyler, which one is more appealing to you personally? <laughs> Being a rancher with rugged Kevin Costner good looks, but and lots maybe, of money, lots of money, but maybe dr- one that dresses in a way that you know when he's out, way out in the range, yeah. and he can't come in for the night, he can he wears clothes <laughs> that can double as a he, as bedding on the floor, sure. on the ground. He's, yeah, sure. he's, 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 he's against the cactus. Yeah, he leans Cowboy. against the cactus yeah. and lowers the head over. His, <laughs> he lowers the hat over the perm of his hat and yeah. just wakes yeah. up at dawn. Okay. So, Tyler, which is more appealing to you? Being the the, the wealthy rancher uh, entangled in in family drama and violent outbursts with, with neighboring ranchers and, 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 the, and the federal government and the Bureau of Land Management or a guy named Tumbleweed who's the proprietor of a very odd little new age shop specializing in ponchos and crystals on the outskirts of Sonoma and turquoise. What one is more appealing to you? Because you know, I'm both, leaning tumbleweed. Well, they're both, they're both a big promotion from bathrobe guy, which is where the discourse started. <laughs> we got rich sauna guy on the table. <laughs> the guy who every time you see him, he, he appears to have just got out of the sauna because he's got a towel around his neck and he does not care. You Jesse, know? my favorite is the idea that he's a shop owner in Sonoma that has all these new age crystals <laughs> and, and things and his name is Tumbleweed. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but that guy doesn't need to that vibe comes together. Yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. How about this? We'll move you over to Scottsdale. You feel a little bit better about <laughs> <Yeah>. that? <laughs> way happier in Sonoma. Your new age, Sedona. Yeah, yeah, you, Sedona. Your, your new age crystal and poncho <laughs> shop is, is right in the heart of Scottsdale. Feel better now? Okay, you got that or Kevin Costner. So. Tumble, All right, what's your, the, what's balls the, in your court. What's the last thing you got, man? Yeah, okay, so the last thing. We won't even get to the rest of the tweets. We, I think we, we got that covered. Uh, all right. We'll have to pivot a little bit for this, so so buckle up. We're making a little bit of a U-turn here from the mm-hmm. from sweater discourse to uh, to a new poll on uh, the, the mental health of Americans in 2020, mm. which, as you might imagine, is not like a there's not a lot of optimistic news in this particular report. Just 34 percent of Americans now say they have excellent mental health. That's down from 43 percent in 2019. It is the lowest that it's been at any point in the last 20 years which is when mm. Gallup first started asking this question. Still, most Americans do give themselves overall good marks for mental health. 34% say their mental health is excellent. 42% say it's good. Only 18% say it's fair and just 5% say it's poor. So that's not bad, but it's, an eight, it's eight points fewer than excellent. Mm. Um, in April, Gallup found that most Americans felt that they'd be able to abide by social distancing guidelines as long as necessary without any significant impact to their physical health, but less than half said they'd be able to do the same thing for their mental health. And uh, that appears to be true, actually. We haven't seen a huge dip in Americans' assessment of their physical health this year. It's about the same that it's always been. But mental health has taken a real sharp downturn. Um, what is interesting here, and this gets a little bit technical, but I, I think it will be interesting for our audience in particular, is to talk about who is seeing a decline in their mental health. Um the people who saw their mental health assessment drop the most, the, the demographics who saw their mental health drop the most this year are women, Republicans, independents, white adults, single adults, and older adults, lower income Americans, and people who attend religious services less than weekly. So those are the people who saw the you biggest almost, drop. Almost all of those fall under the Republican bucket. 
You yeah, know, like they could Hawaii all be. Yeah, these goers. could all be. There's overlap here, obviously, too. There is. Yeah, these yeah. aren't necessarily. And they said they out. felt the most hopeless this year. They saw the biggest. This was oh, the, the big, drop in their all mental of these, health. All of these dropped by double digits from 2019 okay. to 2020. Wow. Uh, they all saw that. Now, that being said, uh, people who saw the least amount of change, Democrats and people who go to religious services at least once a week. So going to church generally uh, on a regular basis seems to do a pretty be pretty good for mental health, as does in this case being a Democrat, kind of. Uh, Democrats started out at a lower spot already. So actually more Democrats still say they have poor mental health than Republicans mm. do, but Republicans are catching up to them pretty quickly, while Democrats seem to have sort of hit the basement in terms of their own assessment of their mental health. Does that all track? You all see where I'm coming from? Yeah, yeah. More or less, uh, man. I don't. I don't even know what to think. <laughs> yeah. There's no. That's it doesn't a fit into a narrative, right? There's no. There's no easy narrative here. There's no like. Oh well, this obviously means that to be have better mental health, you need to do what mm-hmm. this. Well, be go a to church once a week. Church and, but what happens and, if you? Ke- I mean, you can't. Yeah, you know, like yeah, what yeah, happens yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. And I, I, I think, think that's it, affecting a lot of people mm-hmm. right now, even believers. And I think, yeah, there's probably a lot of correlations that social scientists will be, excuse me, unpacking for a long time when it comes to the consequences of literal social distancing, you know, of of self-isolating, of, uh, you know, kind of lockdowns. I think I think the, the numbers are there are some things that seem pretty obvious, like, okay, if you if you take if people aren't able to be a part of a community that they typically rely on for emotional and spiritual and moral support, then they're probably going to suffer mental health and and emotional health effects. But I also think there are probably lots of sort of unintended or kind of linked consequences to different things that we're just beginning to understand of, of what the pandemic, you know, kind of did to different communities, you know, self-reported mental health statuses, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's been so complicated and, and, you know, all the efforts have rightly so have been very reactionary, right? Like right now, like it's all been like, there's a virus, we need a vaccine, right? Like the economy's collapsing, we need relief or, you know, we haven't really collectively or had a chance to really proactively look at this issue uh, at the pandemic and kind of under, you know, really kind of made observations beyond of, okay, what do we just need to get through this thing? But I do think it will be interesting to kind of unpack a lot of this stuff. And, and hopefully, you know, look, anytime you get a better understanding of, of community and social dynamics, there's an opportunity to really improve things and make things better for like, for example, like if we found out like, Hey, the people unable to get to a, a, a place of worship where, where it's important, they find community. Well, what about people who don't, you know, have cars or are elderly or are, are disconnected from a community? We've seen on a large scale, we've all witnessed it firsthand, the damage that can do to someone's mental health. Maybe that will make us more mm-hmm. proactive for people that once the pandemic is over, that are still socially isolated. Like mm-hmm. we all felt that what it was like for us, but what about the people who that's just their lifestyle for a variety of reasons? How can we help? So I do think there could be positive stuff that comes from our better understanding of all of this. Hmm. Interesting. That's good. All right. That'll do it for. Thanks. Tumbleweed. Uh, stay tuned. Up next. <laughs> Kel Mitchell joins us. I think I'm tired. I'm sorry.
You're listening to Cautious Clay. The song is Dying in the Subtlety. Well, today's episode is also brought to you by Lifeway Christian Resources. In a culture filled with tension over sex, gender identity, pornography, and sexual abuse, many are asking, is it really possible to follow God's design for purity? Chasing Love is a brand new Bible study resource from apologist Dr. Sean McDowell. In this nine-week study, Sean takes teens and young adults through scripture to answer some of their most pressing questions about love, sex, gender, and relationships. You can order today at lifeway.com slash chasing love and save 10% when you use code relevant. That's lifeway.com slash chasing love and save 10% when you use code relevant. The promo code is valid through January 31st. So jump on it. Well, Kel Mitchell is a comedian, actor, singer, and known for his work on the Nickelodeon show, All That, the spinoff series, Keenan and Kel, and of course, the classic Good Burger. These days, he's leaning into his faith and doing his best to make a difference in the world, and he's obviously still on TV. He actually has a brand new show debuting on Monday on MTV called Deliciousness. We talked to him about that, and as well as his efforts to help children and families during the pandemic. It's an awesome conversation. Here is Kel Mitchell. Okay, so you are now a youth pastor, and uh, like, how's that going? I, I, it seems like in times of crisis, uh, people would tend to look to you for answers, maybe more than usual. Do you feel like you're seeing more people come to you for help right now? Yeah, yeah, bro. It's been it's been deep. I mean, and in, in, in my dynamic has been really deep because with me being a, a youth pastor and then also in an entertainment business, you know, as well. And it's been really uh, shocking. Like I have, I've had friends that I've known for years that are, we're having different conversations right now, praying with them, uh, you know, and it's, it's been awesome. You know, uh, it's been a lot of breakthroughs that have definitely happened uh, during this time. And for me, I'm just, I was like, wow, Lord, really? I'm shocked. This is awesome. But it's also beautiful to see it happen too as well. Yeah. You might be tired of telling this story, but most people who know you uh, have known you from a, for a long time, from like Keenan and Kel and Good Burger. Can you tell me how you went from that into the ministry? That's just not a very common career track. Well, bro, okay, so uh, being in this business at a, a very young age and then making mistakes and just life mistakes, you know, just in general, it doesn't even have to be entertaining. And I just saw that. As I started to hit a wall, you know, of uh, emotional walls, uh, obstacles in my life, mistakes, I was figuring out that I was trying to figure out everything on my own, on my own understanding and do everything on my own. And that was getting me into a lot of blockage in my life, a lot of things that uh, sinfulness that was just kind of crazy, you know. And so uh, when I decided to say, okay, look, God, I surrender. I surrender all. I give it all to you. And when I did that, I saw a lot of doors open up in my life as far as like me starting to see my purpose and seeing what I'm really about. And when I lost everything, God was the only one that was there. And so it's funny when I'm in the entertainment business and I'm, I'm on sets and stuff and people are like, man, you are so like 
you talk about your faith and don't care what people think. And you talk about Christ and you don't care. People, you don't like filter it. And I'm like, bro, like, because I know what God did for me. You know what I mean? In those low places. And I would be doing everyone a disservice that is a fan of mine or who follow me and don't tell them how I got through or how I'm getting through. You know what I mean? And how having Christ in their life can really help them. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah. A lot of people who, uh, like me, aren't in the entertainment industry seem to think there's a sort of like bias against Christians, right? Or that, that Hollywood's out to get them. Is there any truth to that from what you've seen? No, no. Here's the thing. It's, it's, it's not, even outside of entertainment business, you know, it's spiritual warfare, right? So you have to really determine which way you're going to go. You know what I'm saying? Through life. It's just, it is what it is, you know? And so I feel like you have to have good discernment with everything. You know what I mean? Like within every situation, there's going to be some type of circumstance. That's what life is all about. You have to make a decision. And that decision is you don't know what the outcome of that decision may be. So you have to be really careful about the decisions that you make. And I know when people say, oh, the entertainment business it's like it's so many Christians that are in the entertainment business. I've had literary meetings where uh, I was sitting there in the meeting and we're talking about a, a project and then they were more intrigued about my faith at that point. You know what I mean? They were, they were intrigued about that. And this is like, you know, a high powered, you know, Hollywood business that I was at. And they were like, literally like, tell me more about that. Tell me about your faith and, you know, tell me how do you get through certain things and, and this is how I get through it and this is why I love the Lord. And, and you know, when the conversation is open, uh, I think that's when you start to see people. God will put the right people around you and in your life, in your business, in your career. You just have to put him in everything that you do. Okay, let's talk deliciousness. We're just a few days away from the debut there. What can you tell me about that show? Oh, bro. So uh, I love this show. Uh, Deliciousness is super fun. I don't know if you've seen Ridiculousness, but it's on uh, MTV, airs all the time. And, you know, they laugh at like video fails. So this one is all about food fails. So we've all done it, you know, tried to follow a recipe and ended up burning the food. Ended up <laughs> too much seasoning. And it shows all those funny, crazy moments. And uh, I just get to sit there and laugh and give my commentating on, on these uh, and, and talk about my personal story. So uh, it's just been great. I love this show. Uh, it's super great. Watch it with the entire family. <laughs> You'll crack up. Are, uh, are you a good cook? Can you weigh in on this? <laughs> you know, it, it, it's certain dishes that I'm good at. You know, like I, I, I can barbecue very well. You know, but I've had some barbecue fails. You know, I was, I was, you know, looking at Netflix one time while I was barbecuing. Don't do that. Because <laughs> I went back to the grill and all the meat was just burnt up. So don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. We're huge fans of World Vision and love that you're working with them. Uh, what can you tell me about the partnership that you've got with them? So, you know, I'm being in the uh, Nickelodeon family business for a long time. Um, I'm all about kids. You know what I mean? And World Vision is about that, too. That's my focus. Uh, kids and God and World Vision is the same way. You know what I mean? With kids and God. And I love that. You know, they've been in business for over 70 years. I'm sure you've heard of them. And uh, they just give great resources and provide for children and for families overseas and all over, all over the world. And it's the holiday season right now. 
So that's what I really love about it because they have this gift catalog, right? That you can go on to at worldvision.org and you can buy an alpaca, you know, for a, a family and they can use that as a resource and get money from it and things like that, which I think is cool. And then also too, with kids, you can educate your kids on other kids across the world and how you can, they can be a blessing to other kids. And I think that is awesome, you know, especially with me uh, being a youth pastor as well. Um, I'm all, all about like showing how you can be a blessing to others. And uh, World Vision does that very well. And then with COVID coming out too, and that going on, they have an emergency kit that is really, really awesome where it has school supplies and it has food and nutrition uh, for kids that really need it and for families that need it. So uh, I'm all about that. I'm all about that. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And I think one thing that's been very difficult about this year is that we all have so many of our own um, really serious, really important needs. Uh, at a time like this, how do you continue to focus working or, or focusing on other people's needs d- besides your own? Yeah, man. It's a uh, commanding your morning. You know what I'm saying? Like really get up and have that time, you know, with me having four children and and being a husband and and having all these different jobs, I have to get up super early, like while everybody's sleeping. I I do this for me. So then that way I can take care of uh, my mental, my spiritual self, and just kind of pray for the entire family, pray for myself as well uh, as I'm doing that and to get ready for it. Like, you know, look, we're human beings, not human doings. You know what I mean? So we've got to kind of Look at it like, what do you want to be? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you being today? Are you being kind? Are you being the best husband you can be? Are you being the best father you can be? And I kind of go through that during the day. So then that way that now I'm being and I'm being what I want, you know, in that time and what God wants me to be. Yeah. (laughs) And that's been kind of hard to find in 2020, right? That motivation to be disciplined during quarantine. How do you stay intentional? Where does that, uh, where does that motivation come from you? I was talking to uh, a friend of mine about this and it's like, you can really find different ways of doing that. Like uh, Google calendar is my, my friend, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. Cause I literally go, okay, this week I'm going to do this, that, this, and this, you know, things that I've always wanted to do. You know what I mean? And then I'll say I'll exercise and I'll exercise with the kids and we'll do some art. We'll go outside and we'll paint, you know what I mean? And just do all these different things. And you can also go walking too as well. So just kind of like schedule out your day. So it's kind of like the same thing where it's like, we have this schedule, we have this program that we're doing so that you can feel busy. And it's not like you're just sitting idle, like what is going on? You know what I mean? And you know, uh, in this time too, like I'm, uh, I'm writing a devotional book and that happened be- because of the fact where it was just like, I love to write. And in this time I was journaling and that was something else to do. Like find those things that you've always wanted to do, but you were too busy to do it. Do it now. Okay. So you have a varied legacy. You're known for a lot of different things. At the end of it all, what do you hope people remember you for? What do you want Kel Mitchell's legacy to be? Um, I want to say to do everything that God wanted me to do. Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like we all are given certain gifts, but we stifle that based on what someone might say uh, or out of fear. And I think that just someone that followed faith and said, you know, I can do it. I can do all things. I went after it. I was very transparent as I did it and then created opportunities for others. 
So uh, I think, and, and just love. That's the that's the main thing that I want to put out there is that is that love, and you can do it. <laughs> yeah. That was Kel Mitchell. Check out his new show on MTV, Deliciousness. It debuts on December 14th. Stay tuned up next. It's our wellness segment. So take heart. Let his love lead us through the night. Hold on to hope. And take courage again. You're listening to Hillsong Worship. The song is Take Heart. Well, for this week's wellness segment, we sit down with Dr. Chris Zaleski, who's an emergency medicine resident physician with training in clinical research. We talk about the toll the year has taken on healthcare workers and some of his thoughts on the COVID-19 pandemic. This is the latest installment of our weekly wellness series, which is brought to you by UHSM. Member to member health sharing. See why millions are choosing this Christian alternative to traditional insurance. Ask if you qualify for UHSM membership by texting or calling 833-367-8476 or visiting uhsm.com slash care. Here's our conversation with Dr. Chris Zaleski. Okay, so we're we're talking at a time when there's been a lot of attention uh, that's been paid to your field, and I guess I just want to know how are you doing? What's what's 2020 been like for you? 2020 has been trying. It's a lot of ups and downs. I think I've seen a lot more just hardship than I've seen in any other time of practicing any of this. Um, and it's just things that we weren't exactly always ready for. Like I think going into medicine, I expect to be with people on some of their hardest days, but we don't expect to do it with people not being able to next, be next to their family members, which is one of the hardest parts. And, and then it's just been long as well, which everybody is feeling that 2020 has just been a long year of unexpected things. And I just feel it a little bit differently in my job, but everybody feels it to a certain extent. Would you say that's a pretty common sentiment among your, uh, your colleagues? Yeah, I think it is that it's just been long and kind of a hard grind. Um, even last night working, uh, it's just a place where now we're seeing an uptick again and being even more careful. So it's having to wear the PPE the entire like your entire go, which impacts things you don't expect. Like it impacts being able to drink extra water on shift because I can't even like open a bottle of water because I want to keep my N95 on the whole time. So it's little things like that, that we didn't even expect to be impacted that kind of really affect your quality of life while you're working or at home. It's been kind of surprising to me how resistant uh, some churches have, a lot of churches have been actually towards the recommendations coming from healthcare experts. Has that surprised you as well? Yeah. 
I think it's been such a, a hard tension to live in, right? Because you're living in this fact of the reality of like, we are battling a virus that people get when they're around other people. But we're also like called in the Bible to like live in a community of people. And so how do these two truths interact, especially for a short time? And I have definitely felt it. I think my church for a long time did the whole online process. And we had sermons online. Uh, My wife and I even helped with the kids ministry for a short period of time while we were trying to figure out what to do with the kids, like kind of early in April and March online. And then over time, now we're slowly meeting in person. And I think there's that tension there of, can we do it well? And I think having some churches kind of seen following it in the news of like some people doing it, what I would say well, of kind of doing masks, doing social distancing, trying to make sure everyone is as safe as possible. And then there's some places that aren't doing it at all. And I think it's hard for me to watch sometimes when people aren't doing it at all because I see this every day. Like I'm taking care of these patients in the emergency department. Um, I'm having those hard conversations about life. And I think the important thing is, from my point of view, it's not not gathering. It's not not getting together, but it's doing so in a way that fits with all the guidelines because we still want to be able to practice our faith actively on a regular basis. This is a question that's always interesting for me uh, to hear. And I just want to know what are some... uh some misconceptions you've seen between faith and church and, and your own work as a doctor? Um, the biggest misconceptions, I think in general, I think there's always a misconception of healthcare or science or the medical profession that faith doesn't in like intermingle with it. Well, um, there's always been that tension and there's usually kind of my friends and I who are in the healthcare profession, there's usually not that many kind of, practicing Christians that I'm around on a kind of a daily basis in, in medicine and in the doc in doctoring. <laughs> but the interesting thing is like the church that I go to, we actually, we've, there's more doctors than I've ever been around, which is really just to say there's a handful of us, but I think the misconceptions now are that there's a lot of just false choices that I feel like people are trying to make of, well, I either kind of believe everything about coronavirus or I don't go to church. And like, there's not like, that's a false choice of things like you can believe in everything that's coming out about it. And you can also practice your faith. Um, I think that's the hardest thing. Um, and probably the hardest misconception of people making choices of they can only believe one side or the other. When I think like our God is a God of truth, like it, he invented science, he invented medicine. He is the God that underpins all of it. So like, we have no reason to fear the science here. Um, and it's a way to like get a bigger glimpse of like how God is moving through all of this and to obey in a certain way. That was Dr. Chris Zaleski. For more content like this, make sure to check out our wellness series every Tuesday and Thursday at relevantmagazine.com. It's brought to you by our friends at UHSM. Well, thank you to Kel Mitchell for joining us today. Make sure to check out his new show on MTV, 
Uh, Deliciousness, it debuts December 14th. A couple of housekeeping notes before we wrap it up. Uh, Like I mentioned on the last couple of episodes, uh, we are hiring at Relevant. Uh, We are right away hiring an account executive to handle advertising and partnerships uh, for us. Uh, If you have experience in media, especially or sales, go check out the uh, job description over at relevantmediagroup.com. We're also looking to hire a social media and writer, a social media creator and writer as well. The job description is at relevantmediagroup.com. Go check it out. Also, check out our weekly uh, Christmas mix series that we're doing on Spotify this month. It's called A Very Relevant Christmas. Just search for it on Spotify uh, every Tuesday or Wednesday, we post a new edition. Go check it out. We've got a couple up there. Great, great Christmas mixes. And also make sure to don't miss the November, December issue of Relevant, which is out now. It has a cover story with Matthew McConaughey. It's got Letitia Wright and so much more. It's available for free. Thanks to UHSM, who's the presenting sponsor of the uh, issue uh, at relevantmagazine.com. Just click on the magazine tab. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. We will see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. Great. Now I got to go to Macaroni Grill. Relevant Podcast Network.